Brought to you by North Memorial Health, where customers are treated like family. That means a big smile when you walk in the door and making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. Just like your family treats you, find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. TCL, America's fastest growing TV brand. I always enjoy bringing you the latest. This is The Scoop. The scoop. It's The Scoop with Doogie. TGIF Scoop Podcast faithful. Hello, everyone. It is Friday, October 11th. This is Scoop Podcast episode 260. The last time I did one of these bad boys, we all legitimately thought, hey, at least the Twins could end that lengthy playoff losing streak of 13. And I think some of us thought, hey, the Twins had a legitimate chance to move on to the American League Championship Series. So much for those thoughts. It's been a few days since I've done one of these. Since then, the Twins summarily dismissed from the postseason. They were outscored after leading 2-0 in Game 1 against the Yankees. They were outscored 23-5 23-5 to finish the series. They were non-competitive in all three games. We certainly did not see that coming. Bright regular season, bright future, disappointing, frustrating, borderline embarrassing postseason. Let's begin this podcast with some Twins notes. Speaking of being summarily dismissed in the postseason, I hear the guy that took maybe the playoff loss and losses the hardest was Byron Buxton. Now, we can wonder, would the series have been any different if Byron Buxton was healthy, heck him and Michael Pineda, but we can play that game with every team, right? Look at the New York Yankees. No Aaron Hicks, no Herman with the pitching staff. So, I mean, every team deals with something, but it's interesting to think about would things have been differently if the Twins had Buxton and or Pineda. But I hear after the Game 3 loss on Monday that Byron Buxton was in tears, that he was the one that was more upset than anyone. Now, the positivity comes from the leader, from Rocco Baldelli. Right or wrong, he is all about positivity. He is very laid back. His message to the team right after the Game 3 loss, before reporters were allowed into the clubhouse, was this. Hey, nobody picked you guys to be in this position. Be proud. We won 101 games. Hey, small sample size, three games. Don't let these three games define you. Be very proud. And that's why Rocco postgame on Monday said he was not frustrated. I'm not quite sure those were the words I would have used. He ended up meeting the media on Wednesday. I would have waited a couple days to spew that message that, hey, a lot was accomplished this year. I'm just not quite sure. Heat of the moment. 10, 15 minutes after the Game 3 loss, I would have said I wasn't frustrated. But that was the message that was relayed to the team. And if you heard some of the interviews with some of the guys Monday post game, it was a lot of positivity. But I'm telling you, Byron Buxton was the guy that was more upset than anyone. I think he looked at that Jake Cave dive for the ball in Game 3 thinking, hey, I should be out there. Cave shouldn't be out there. Some other instances, just frustrating to be sitting there, not being able to play, plus Byron Buxton is uber competitive. You never need to worry about his competitiveness. You never need to worry about his work ethic. Does he need to play smarter? Yes. The hope is that Byron Buxton can play 150-plus games next year. But, hey, let's not forget, at 23 years old, two years ago, Byron Buxton legitimately earned MVP votes, and he won the Platinum Gold Glove. I would not give up on Byron Buxton anytime soon. So let the offseason begin. Internally, it appears the toughest decision will be whether to tender first baseman C.J. Crone Per MLB trade rumors, his salary for next year is projected to be in the $7.5 million range. Now, do you need to keep first base open for the likes of Brent Rooker, Trevor Larnick, maybe Alex Kirilov? 
What about Miguel Sano maybe moving to first base? These are things the Twins will talk about at the upcoming organizational meetings. But I do think that is the toughest decision. The easiest is picking up Nelson Cruz's option, which has already been verbalized. I think tendering Jake Odorizzi a qualifying offer is a no-brainer as well. There are some no-brainer type decisions but I'm telling you, I think and I sense that the toughest decision will be what to do with C.J. Crone. As I sit here on October 11th, I cannot tell you what they are thinking. They need to debate. They need to talk. I'm sure that they will have a lot of discussions about what to do on the C.J. Crone front. They will also have some discussions if they end up losing bench coach Derek Shelton. The Mets want to interview him next week, although signs point to Carlos Beltran being the favorite for that Mets managerial job. The Pirates have some interest in Shelton. And how about this? Don't sleep on the Kansas City Royals having some interest in Derek Shelton. So with eight managerial openings, Derek Shelton is highly thought of, interviewed for the Rangers job last year, the Twins job. It would not be surprising if Derek Shelton, the Twins bench coach, ends up with one of these managerial jobs. You've sort of maybe kind of heard Derek Falvey's name come up in the Red Sox president of operations search. Derek Falvey wants to be here. Buster Olney of ESPN reports. He is on the cusp of signing a contract extension. He is Two years left on his contract. I would say this, look for the extension to be for multiple years. It won't just be a one-year extension. Falvey wants to be here long-term, wants to raise his family here. Same goes for Thad Levine. So if you hear Levine's name come up in talks, he was very deliberate. He was very calculated when he moved his family up here from the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Thad Levine wants to be here for a while. So I would not worry about losing either of those guys, but guys like Derek Shelton, maybe some others, maybe James Rousen gets an interview or two. I would say keep an eye certainly on the possibility of Shelton going elsewhere. This weekend is a big amateur scouting weekend in Jupiter, Florida. It's a perfect game event. The Twins have 10 scouts, including scouting director Sean Johnson there, watching a bunch of 2020 draft prospects. A few days ago, there was a college showcase event in the Tempe, Arizona area, and the Twins had some scouting representation there. They had two scouts at that bad boy. I'll go all notes. I'll empty out my figurative notebook. Then we'll go interview interview, 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 including Joe Schmidt's interviews with Rocco Baldelli, Derek Falvey, and Thad Levine. My radio show, my Scoop Podcast radio show, is on a little bit of a break because of postseason baseball. So last week was Twins-Yankees, the ESPN radio coverage, and tonight is Game 1 of the National League Championship Series. And then I'm on vacation for a bit of next week with MEA. We're taking the boys up north for a few days. So the radio show is on a bit of a sabbatical, but we'll be back before the month is over. But because of that, I didn't line up any of my go-to guests. But figuring this podcast needed some sort of representation from the Twins front office and or manager, this will be the easiest path to having some sort of presence on this podcast. So Joe Schmidt represented us, the Channel 5 Sports Office, the Sports Department, over at Target Field on Wednesday. He got some FaceTime with Baldelli, Falvey, and Levine. I'm guessing if you're listening to this podcast, you haven't heard those conversations, so I'll replay those conversations. All right, but let me continue with some notes in no particular order. On the Wolves, Scott Layden and Assistant General Manager John Luca. 
Puskucci represented the Wolves at Memphis Pro Day earlier this week. They have James Wiseman, the presumed number one pick in the June NBA draft. They also have another lottery pick, plus R.J. Hampton, who's a lottery pick next June. He decided to go make some money in Australia. His team is stateside right now, playing some exhibition games. His team happened to be in Memphis the same day as the University of Memphis Pro Day. So the Wolves representation got a look at Hampton as well. So a busy, busy scouting week. Yes, it never stops. There's always work to do with the next draft in this regard, the 2020 NBA draft. Again, in no particular order. I don't know if I've mentioned this before. So the Wolves, I have mentioned this, that the Wolves on draft night last June tried to acquire a second first-round pick. They certainly had all sorts of interest in Sekou Dumboya, but I've not mentioned this. They were big fans, probably still are to this day, of Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Where did he end up? Was it New Orleans? I think it's New Orleans. I suppose I could look it up, but I'm just monologuing here. I believe it was New Orleans, the former Virginia Tech star, Nikhil Alexander-Walker. The Wolves were huge fans of him. So he absolutely could have been the pick, not Dumboya, if they end up acquiring a second pick. They ended up talking to Charlotte, Boston, some other teams on draft night trying to acquire a second first-round pick. But I'm not quite sure I ever passed that one along. The Wolves were big fans and probably still are to this day of Nikhil Alexander-Walker. Some observations from the Wolves' first two preseason games. Jarrett Culver absolutely is going to get some run at point guard. Trevion Graham is going to play. Now, remember, there were some people the night of when that trade got announced in, when was that, July, wondering if the Wolves would buy out Graham. Not only did they guarantee most of his salary the second the trade was announced, but they thought then that, hey, he has a chance, and it's come to fruition through training camp, through the early portion of the preseason. One big key with Graham is... He can guard, like legitimately guard, three positions, maybe even four. We saw it against the Warriors. You can put him on Draymond Green, then move Robert Covington to a guy like D'Angelo Russell. So when playing Rocco at the four, you can have some versatility with Graham having him guard the opposition's power forward. So undoubtedly, Trevion Graham is going to play once the regular season starts. There's a lot of love about Jake Lehman. Here's what I would say about Jake. I think on a good team... He's a role player. We saw it last year in Portland. He was a non-factor in the playoffs. They non-tendered him, tendered him initially, and then pulled the tender. Point is, Portland had minimal interest if, hey, maybe no interest in bringing him back. Now, some good teams called on Lehman. The Wolves were able to get him by offering a full three years guaranteed. I think he has a chance, but I think there's been a little bit too much optimism about Jake Lehman. I just think on a good team, he's not playing all that much, but hey, the Wolves might be lucky to win 35 games, but hey, they will be entertaining, and my thought process is, even though it's been a long, long time, you need to give a new regime at least a good year to two years to put things into play, so I just, I won't pass too much judgment on this year when it comes to Rosas, his newly rebuilt front office, and Ryan Saunders, and his newly rebuilt coaching staff. The biggest key to me is Jarrett Culver. Does Culver show some glimpses of being able to be a second star on a good team. How does Jarek Culver develop this year? Plus Josh Okoge. You know, I think there's still a ceiling that he can get to, but how much higher is that ceiling? Those are the two guys I'll be keeping the closest eye on this regular season for the Wolves. Culver and Okoge. It's all about individual growth this year. I just would not expect a lot when it comes to wins 
and losses. I was over at Wild practice earlier today. A few guys did not practice. Luke Cunning, Jason Zucker, Matt Zuccarello. Bruce Boudreaux told a few of us post-practice that it was a maintenance day for all three. All three are available tomorrow night, the home opener against Pittsburgh. I also asked Zach Parisi about the yo-yoing of line mates. I mean, heck, he plays with Zuccarello. Then after two games, he's no longer playing with Zuccarello. He took the high road on my question, but I sensed some frustration. And hey, I understand it. And I think Zach would like to see him, others, play with the same line mates for a good 10 to 15 game stretch if not longer, that the yo-yoing of linemates after just a couple games is annoying. On the Vikings, teams continue to call about Stephon Diggs. The Vikings are not trading Stephon Diggs before the NFL trade deadline date of October 29th. Teams have inquired about Kyle Rudolph as well. The Patriots at the forefront of that list. Other teams looking for offensive help include the Raiders, the Cardinals, the Bills. There's a bunch of phone calls being made. I don't sense the Vikings are trading either guy, though. I think the Vikings are willing to listen, but my sense is Stephon Diggs and Kyle Rudolph will both be here on October 30th. Last Friday, the Vikings had some wide receivers in for free agent tryouts. Benny Fowler, Ryan Grant, and TJ Jones. Plus, they had a quarterback in for a tryout. T.J. Linta, Gophers football tomorrow night, hosting Nebraska. Under the lights, these five NFL teams will be scouting the game. The Vikings, the Cowboys, the Jaguars, the Jets, and the Dolphins. Plus, J.D. Spielman, Rick Spielman's son, plays for Nebraska. His game status is up in the air. They leak no information in that regard in Lincoln. So we really have no idea if Martinez, the quarterback, or Spielman will play tomorrow night. But presumably, Rick Spielman, the Vikings general manager, will be in the house. How much fun would it be if it's the unbeaten Gophers against unbeaten Penn State? Now, Penn State has a tough game tomorrow under the lights against Iowa, but maybe Penn State is unbeaten come November 9th. TCF Bank Stadium, how much fun would it be if the Gophers and Penn State are both unbeaten? In terms of college game day, that is the same day as LSU Alabama, but who knows? Maybe game day would be looking for a different storyline, a different theme, so maybe Gophers Penn State would be appealing, but yeah, LSU Alabama is also on November 9th. On Gophers basketball, just it stinks on Eric Curry. It's another significant knee injury. It just it absolutely stinks. He showed so much promise his freshman year, and it's just been one injury after another since then. So just devastating news on Eric Curry. I've heard good things about Trey Williams. He's been on this podcast before. He's one of many newcomers for the Gophers. There's a lot of Peyton Willis love as well. Gopher Basketball Media Day is next Friday, of course, when I'm not in town, but I'll catch up with Coach Richard Pitino or someone else in the near future. I envision the starting lineup being Marcus Carr, Gabe Kausher, Peyton Willis, Alejan Demir, who's been in this podcast before. He's been great talking about his basketball background, his time at Drexel. He was all conference last year, so he's the graduate transfer from Drexel. Then Daniel Oturu. So that's what I envision the starting lineup being, but I think Trey Williams has a chance to finish games. We always put the spotlight on who starts for a team. Maybe we should put the spotlight on who finishes games? I think Trey Williams, certainly as the year goes on too, will have a chance to finish games for the Gophers. My colleague, my photojournalist, Jeff Briashi, was at SMB High School Football Practice. The other day he caught up with Lockett, Suggs, and Johnson, Caden Johnson, Terry Lockett, and Jalen Suggs. Some recruiting updates, Terry Lockett tells us Michigan State is still all over him. He'll be getting the East Lansing soon. He's been to some Gophers games, so the Gophers still have some interest in Terry Lockett, the wide receiver, Nebraska and Purdue. Also have some interest, but signs point to Michigan State 
being the front runner there. On Jalen Suggs, I'm told nothing until after the first of the year that he had a great visit last weekend to Spokane for a second time. Yes. Would Gonzaga maybe be the front runner right now, as we've talked about on this podcast? Maybe so, but I'm told he's still months away from committing to any school, and he is keeping a close eye on RJ Hampton and LaMelo Ball, two guys making money overseas playing basketball. That could be a possibility. Bypass college, make money for a year overseas, then be eligible for the NBA draft the following year. Plus, he does love football. I mean, make no mistake, Jalen Suggs absolutely positively Loves football. In fact, he is going to take, in all likelihood, a football visit before the year is over. Now, I still would bet on him playing basketball at the next level, not football. I think this is his last football year. But he talks passionately about how much he loves football. And he's got an opportunity, if he wants to, in college to play football. But basketball seems to be the meal ticket. But I'm just telling you, do not sleep on his love, Jalen Suggs' love, for football. Then on Caden Johnson, he officially visits Oregon State this weekend. Nebraska is still in his mix. Wisconsin is all over him. And he was at the Gophers-Illinois game last week. Now, my sense from Gophers folks is they don't expect to get Caden Johnson, but the interest is still there. And he's been to practices. I mean, Caden Johnson has the book on the Gophers. So if he says no to the Gophers, it's not necessarily a knock against the Gophers. He'll just feel like somewhere else is a better fit. All right, let's get to some interviews. These are interviews I've been meaning to put on the podcast going back weeks. All are still applicable in no particular order, much like my notes, just spewing a bunch of notes about some of the local teams. Let me start with Dr. Phil Esten. I was over there last week when St. Thomas made the announcement that they are hopeful to be moving up to the Division I level starting in the fall of 2021. The Summit League wants them. The Summit League has accepted them. The biggest thing from my point of view is, because I'm a basketball snob, is another Division I basketball team in the state. It's about time. Minnesota should have two Division I basketball teams. Much smaller states have more than one. I mean, Minnesota having only one Division I basketball program is unbelievable. But the hope is, if the NCAA says yes, that the Gophers will now have some company in terms of being a Division I program here in the state of Minnesota. Now, on the football front, it looks like the Pioneer League. On the hockey front, the WCHA is a legitimate option. Hockey and football are not sports within the Summit League. Now, if St. Thomas could get its way, they would find their way into the Missouri Valley for football. North Dakota State, South Dakota State. I mean, that is the best FCS football football conference there is but that looks unlikely that is a big time wish hope but the pioneer league is more likely the wcha is open arms the wcha led by bill robertson they badly won st thomas for men's and women's hockey so that makes logical sense i know that st thomas has some donors that love hockey i think in the near future you will hear news about st thomas wanting to build a state-of-the-art hockey and basketball arena Anyway, I got into some of these topics with Dr. Phil Esten. He is the athletic director for the University of St. Thomas. Here's my recent conversation with Dr. Esten. Doctor, I mean, just take us through your emotions right now. I mean, is it a sense of excitement, satisfaction, relief, all of the above? You know, we're excited to have received an invitation from the Summit League, but we also know uh, that this is pending NCAA approval as we've submitted a waiver uh, requesting uh, kind of an appeal through the reclassification process. So that waiver would uh, allow us to enter the Division I reclassification process directly from Division Three, which isn't allowed today. Uh, so, you know, it's, it's an important first step for us here uh, to have received that uh, invitation from the Summit League. Very excited about 
uh, the possibility of joining that league, but understand that we've got a little bit of a, a process to work through yet. But is there optimism? I mean, presumably you don't get to this point without some level of optimism that you'll get that yeah, approval. Sure. I, I think that there's hope. Um, you know, I, I certainly think that uh, we're, we're optimistic that we've got a strong case and a compelling case to make uh, in what are really unprecedented circumstances. Uh, but again, it's, it's difficult to predict or, or even, um, you know, guess what that, what that outcome might, might look like as we work through uh, the final process stages. I'm being unprecedented. I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, nobody has ever made this leap, right? I mean, is that accurate that you guys would be the first D3 to D1? From what I understand, uh, in modern day NCAA uh, athletics, uh, college athletics, uh, from what we can find, we'd be the first school to have done that. Uh, you know, there, there might be another case um, more decades ago than what I can find. Uh, but, but from what we understand, this would, this would be the first. And again, I, I think it comes uh, with a lot of thought, a lot of deliberation, um, a lot of studying what the best options are for St. Thomas. And certainly it's not without respecting the process that we have to go through with the NCAA to make sure that they do their due diligence uh, uh, to ensure that this is the right fit for them as well. Why is the Summit League the best for St. Thomas? Well, you know, Commissioner Dupel has done a fantastic job of building what has become one of the most successful, in my, in my opinion, one of the most successful mid-major conferences in the country. Uh, when you Also, when you look at some of the schools in that conference who have reclassified from Division II to Division I, they're all thriving as Division I institutions today, and so that includes all of the Dakotas, it includes Omaha, it includes Denver, uh, and, and they're all thriving Division I athletic departments today. I think it's a large testament to the Summit League and its leadership. Um, and we look forward to competing in a conference that you know, shares an aspiration of, of being competitive and successful and excellent in a lot of things that we do. And while we enjoyed our time in the MIAC, we're now looking forward uh, as, as that as a possibility for us in the future. Did you cast a wide net or was the sole focus the, the summit league? Like, for example, like, was the Big East an option? Yeah, we looked at a lot of different options as, as we kind of assessed uh, options Division Three, Division Two, II, Division One. Um, and, as, and as we got into this, we started to feel like the Summit League was just really the right, uh, the right fit for us at, at this time. And, and again, t- uh, Commissioner Dupal and, and his staff have been fantastic to work with. Uh, the other Summit League leaders, the presidents and athletic directors, have been wonderful colleagues through this. Uh, and so we're excited about the possibility. How much of a whirlwind has this been? I mean, it's not like you've been in this position that long. And think sure. about all that's happened. Yeah, sure. You know, I, I started in, in January of 2019, and here we are in early October of 2019. Uh, so, it, you know, it's certainly been, a, you know, a lot in a short period of time, but it's exciting. And, and you know, I've, I've always been around excitement, and, and to me, this is the sign of progress. When you have things like this happening on a campus, um, you know, certainly St. Thomas has been uh, an institution that doesn't stand still. Uh, and our athletic department, I think, is indicative of the rest of the institution. Considering your background here, being an alum, I mean, is it that much more special considering your history here at St. Thomas? It is. You know, uh, I'd say that when you think back about what happened in May with the involuntary uh, involuntary removal from, from the MIAC, that was emotional as an alum. Uh, you know, and, and a lot of people who had competed in the MIAC certainly felt that way, but also there was a sense of excitement about what the future might hold. And today, as an alum, that might add a little bit special, um, more of a, of a, of a special uh, uh, slant to that as well. All right, a couple of elephants in the room. Let's start with football. Sure. 
what does this mean for the future yeah. of St. Thomas yeah, football? Sure. Yeah, uh, you know, the Summit League is a wonderful conference and it sponsors many sports. Three sports that it does not sponsor that we do sponsor our football and the two ice hockeys, men's and women's ice hockey. And so we'll certainly need to sit down and identify what we think the best fit for us is from an affiliate membership. And much like with the Summit League, we'll go through a process of identifying some of those options and then have to seek an invitation from that particular conference before uh, we could proceed with anything. But an important first step was this invitation from the Summit League that's necessary in all sports league to be able to make that move of reclassification to Division One. What's the excitement on the basketball front? I mean, for so long, so many of us said, Minnesota should have a second D1 team. Sure, yeah. You know, Finally, it's, yeah. it's happening. You know, I can't, it should happen. Yeah, I can't speculate as to what you know others in the community might be feeling. I can say that our alumni seem to be pretty excited about about the move for St. Thomas, the possibility of this move for St. Thomas. Um, and, and, you know, basketball is one sport of many that we think we, you know, we could compete in um, if we do things the right way. And, and I don't think that we have any unreasonable expectations that this is going to happen overnight. It's, it's a process. Um, certainly need to take a look at what we need to do to be competitive at some point in the league. Um, you know, but, but basketball is one of those as well as our other sports. All right, so to get the waiver approved, I mean, do you lean on the summer league? I mean, what's that process like to be the first Sure. Yeah. To make that you know, jump to D1. Fortunately, fortunately, Commissioner Dupel has gone through the reclassification process a couple times, and so he's been a wonderful guide for us and resource as we've thought through what the waiver might look like, uh, what any kind of an appeal process might look like, and so working with him uh, in collaboration with the NCAA has been really an important step for us. Um, and again, there's no, there's really no roadmap or blueprint for this, as as we can't find another Division three school that has kind of ventured down this path before and so we are uh, I guess we're blazing a, a trail here a little bit so to speak uh, but Commissioner Dupel has been a wonderful partner as, as we've done that. You touched on men's and women's hockey I mean the WCHA makes a lot of sense does it not? I think there are a couple of conferences that, that make you know some sense again much like with football we'll have to sit down and look at what all the options are uh, again we're making a decision not just for the here and now but for the next hundred years uh, for this institution as we look through the lens of the next century what makes the most sense uh, for all sports, for football, for hockey, and all of those are important considerations as we ultimately pursue that affiliate conference membership. I mean, certainly enough people around here have known about this for, whatever, days, weeks, sure. but with the official announcement this morning, I mean, what's been, it's only been a few hours, but sure. what's been the vibe, just, you know, just I, you know, a lot I, of excitement around I, here I, right now? I, you know, I, I would say that uh, excitement is, is one way that I'd describe it. I'd say optimism is one way that I'd describe it. Um, optimism that we're entering down a trajectory that is pretty positive on behalf of the institution. Again, I think athletics, um, the move that we're making here is just indicative of what this institution is going through right now. Uh, when you think about the evolution, if not the revolution of the University of St. Thomas in becoming a comprehensive university and um, really being entrepreneurial and innovative in its thought process in doing so, whether that's a law school or uh, the Doherty Family College or the School of Health, uh, you know, certainly Athletics, I think, is just another part of the broader institution's uh, persona and DNA and being entrepreneurial and, and innovative. Is there any part of you that, that is puffing out your chest or a little I told you so? I mean, you touched on the involuntary removal. Mm -hmm. Is there any of that to the rest of the Mayak saying, hey, look, I told you so? No, not, not at all. You know, as I've said before, the Mayak was a great home for us. I enjoyed the four years that I competed in the Mayak. Uh, it was a wonderful place for us for the time that we spent in the Mayak. We still have two years to compete in the MIAC, and, and we look forward to those two years. Uh, and this is just another step for us in the evolution of the university. Um, you know, so not at all do I, do I 
look at it that way. North Memorial Health has over 400 care providers. That's right, more than 400 care providers and more than 6,000 team members that are dedicated to keeping you healthy. North Memorial Health is proud to partner with the Minnesota Vikings as they work to make Minnesota the healthiest in the league. They're more than a team at North Memorial Health. They're your family. At North Memorial Health, customers are treated like family. Your health family is more than a tagline. It's a commitment to delivering unmatched customer service. That means a big smile when you walk in the door. That means making sure your visit is as pleasant as possible. It means asking, what else can we do for you? North Memorial Health will treat you like family in a good way. The people at North Memorial Health will team up with you to help you achieve your best health. So step up your health care game today and find your health family at northmemorial.com slash family. Once again, that's northmemorial.com slash family. I remain positively giddy about a second D1 basketball program coming to the great state of Minnesota. All right, continuing to empty out my figurative notebook with some conversations I've done in the past few weeks that I hadn't put on the podcast yet. Now up is Chrissy Wendell. Chrissy Wendell married to Johnny Pole. She found out a few weeks ago she is entering the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. She'll be inducted in a ceremony in Washington, D.C. in December. I caught up with Chrissy the day after she found out she is entering. Actually, she found out long before, but the day that it was announced, I caught up with her that next day going back a few weeks. My brief conversation with Chrissy Wendell on entering the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. Chrissy, I guess just take us through the moment. Was it yesterday? Were you given the heads up? Hey, have your phone handy. What was the phone call like? Just take us through the dynamics of yesterday. Yeah, well, I actually got to find out actually a little over a month ago. They let give us a little bit of a head time. And so it was nice to be able to kind of tell my friends and family and those closest to me and kind of give a chance to thank them. Um, it's kind of a reflection time to look back so it's it's nice to be able to have that and then a little bit of a whirlwind yesterday but uh lots of fun very blessed okay so take us back to a month ago then okay so did they say hey there's a chance that you could be in this year's class be on standby and what was that phone call like when you found out the news at that moment hey you are going into the u.s hockey hall of fame yeah, it's crazy. I got a, actually got a voicemail from USA Hockey, um, and so it's been a while since I've heard from them. Usually that wouldn't be too crazy, but uh, recently that's something different, and so I uh, called Pat back, and he just let me know right away, hey, you're going into the uh, Hall of Fame this year. So that's I was actually honestly really surprised and honored, and I didn't have a whole lot of words. It was a short conversation, but, um, again, just kind of surprised and uh, excited as well. I mean, think about all your accomplishments. Why were you surprised? I, that's a big one. Um, not that there, there's different levels, but there's just so many to choose from in the U.S., um, Minnesota. Um, there's just so many amazing players that have done amazing things, and you think of the girls' game and how far it's come and the players that were before me and the players that have, that have continued to play and grow the game, and um, it's only the sixth girl to go in. That's, that's pretty incredible, so uh, very honored. Talk about the growth of the game. I mean, think about when you started playing many, many years ago, right? I mean, there weren't really even girls' teams to think about how far the sport has come and what this moment means to you, just, I guess, big picture. Yeah, if you would have told me back when I was a little five-year-old trying to just find a spot on the team and didn't even know I was a girl playing, it was just, hey, I want to play. I'm like everybody else. I would have never dreamt that uh, there would have been an opportunity to play in the Olympics, to play college and um, meet wonderful friends and teammates and travel the world uh the experiences hockey's given me has been incredible um but now i have three daughters 11 year old nine year old and seven year old all girls playing the game um their experience growing up is significantly different and all for the better and i think that's goes to show how much uh, especially here in minnesota so proud to be from minnesota and 
um, what we've done to really grow the girls' game. When I started, it was in, in its kind of infancy, and now we got um, televising the state tournament for girls and the turnout. It's, um, I couldn't imagine it. It's been awesome. What was that moment like telling your three girls that you're going into the Hall of Fame? Uh, they don't really know yet, so uh, they just know we told them they're going to take a plane and go to D.C. and hang out and see some cool things, but uh, they don't really know why. I'm not sure that we'll tell them. They might find out when they get there. They're pretty young and, and into their own thing. They're just excited to take a family trip, and Grandma and Grandpa are going to go, so I don't know what they'll say. I don't. They're kind of young. They don't really get it. They still think Dad's really great and awesome, and he keeps telling them that, so <laughs> it's good. But, I mean, I guess now you have, like, ultimate bragging rights. Maybe you have bragging rights before in the house, but now that you're a Hall of Famer, I mean... That trumps anything that Johnny's done, right? Ah, uh, you just ask him. I don't know. He'll say he might tell you different. So, it's good. It's uh, you know, it's fun, fun, good spirited uh, harassing he gets from his friends and, and all our kind of college friends. So, uh, it's it's all good. Was Johnny the first phone call? So you get the voicemail. You call back USA Hockey guy. He tells you, "Hey, you're going into the Hall of Fame." Was Johnny the first phone call? Well, he was home uh, watching the kids, wondering what was going on. I was trying to you know just make the quick phone call because. Uh, whenever you get a call from USC Hack, you want to make it, you know, especially now, you don't know what it's about. So I uh, wanted to return it right, right away, and uh, he was pretty excited. And then the next call was obviously to my parents, who put in a lot of time and effort and um, are very proud as well. I mean, so what was the reaction? What did, what did Johnny say as soon as you told him, hey, I'm going into the Hall of Fame? Uh, actually, I think it was, is that what you were up there talking about while the kids were running around? Uh, no, he is excited. Um, I think, you know, he's kind of been along for the ride and seen how much the girls game's grown and now that he grew up with all brothers and um, now having three daughters he's really embraced the girls game and the purity that it is and um, he's given a lot to it to grow as well so it's it's fun for him to see did you think okay so you said you were surprised was there a thought that maybe this would have happened years ago and at this point in 2019 did you think well, okay at this point you know what 37 or so did yeah, you think at this point so. maybe it wasn't going to happen I honestly didn't even think about it. Um, I don't think you play a sport thinking of Hall of Fames or what they kind of bring you. You play the sport because you love it and you enjoy it. And, um, you know, watching Natalie be able to go into the Hall of Fame last year more than deserved. She had an incredible career and in what she's done um, for the sport, continuing coaching at Hamlin. Um, she's done so much, and it was really fun to watch her. Um, honestly, I just didn't really think about it. Um, the awards and accolades have never been really what's been the most important and the things that I remember. It's always the teammates, the locker rooms, the places I've been able to travel and um, the memories I've made. So um, I guess when you get the call, you, you're never really expecting it, I guess. Prissy Wendell entering the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame, joining Natalie Darwitz, Egan's Natalie Darwitz, Chrissy being the sixth woman to enter the U.S. Hockey Hall of Fame. All right, let's now transition to a couple local high school football recruits. One said yes to the Gophers. One said no to the Gophers. The one that said yes to the Gophers is Anoka linebacker Cody Lindenberg. He'll be on campus starting in January for winter workouts, then spring practice. But first, he has his fall season to complete, his senior season to complete with Anoka. I was at a recent Anoka football practice and talked to Cody. All right, so you're one of only a handful of seniors. How are you embracing that leadership role? I'm just trying to give the guys, like, my experience of what I've had playing varsity against these older competitors. So I'm just trying to really help them through like their struggles of uh, playing varsity. Is it also a transition with Coach Bo being in his first year and you guys getting to know Coach Bo? Uh, yeah, I mean, it really wasn't as bad as I thought it'd be. Like We lost our coach, and we, you could really feel like a cloud come over everyone's head, like all the seniors and juniors. And we really, no one really knew what to think. But once Bo came in here, his energy and just... His commitment to the game really just brought everyone's spirits up, and it really didn't take long for everyone to step up and get into it. All right, let's talk about what you'll be doing next year. 
When did the Gophers' interest ramp up? I mean, for a period, I saw you had, what, a Northern Iowa offer? Yeah, you had a FCS. South Dakota offer, and then all of a sudden, boom, the Gophers offer. Yeah, I mean, everything kind of uh, blew up once I went to the Nike opening down in uh, Missouri. And after that, that's when they first contacted me. Matt Simon texted me, uh, the wide receivers coach, and just asked me how I was doing and stuff, and that they saw me at the camp. And that's when it really started to speed up from there. And speed up and also a dream come true. I mean, what was that moment like yeah. when you found out that they wanted you? Yeah, I mean, that moment Flag asked me, uh, he told me that they wanted to offer me. I mean, I kind of was speechless for a few moments, and then I had to ask him to, like, step out of the room so I could talk to my parents and stuff. But initially, I knew what I wanted to do. I just wanted to see how my parents and uh, my family was thinking about it, too. But as soon as he asked me, I knew exactly what I wanted to do. Did you grow up a Gophers fan? I mean, were you always thinking about, hey, you know, I really want to play for the University of Minnesota? Yeah, definitely. There's a picture of me. Uh, they just aired it. I forgot what it was on, but it's a picture of me and Goldie when I was like six or seven years old at a Gophers game. So, I mean, I've always been growing up watching the Gophers, going to their games. I mean, it's always been a dream for me. How does what Coach Rossi and what Coach Fleck and, and the rest of the staff want to accomplish, how does that fit your skill set? I mean, yeah, they're trying, to, they're trying to be elite, like they say every day. They're trying to be elite, and they say they see that in me. And I'm just trying to get there and uh, bring my skill set to them. So I hope I can do as best as I can there and get them to where they want to go. I mean, we talk about your skill set, but, I mean, actually, do you even know? I mean, do they want you as a linebacker, or you also play some wide receiver too? Yeah, they, they're recruiting me as an uh, outside linebacker, so that's what I'm going to be playing there. So, I mean, is the idea that they want you on campus as soon as possible? I mean, will you even be on campus in January? Yeah, I'm, uh, I'm going to be done after first try here, so I'll be graduated. For, well, I'll have my credits done, and so I'll be able to participate in spring training and everything. I mean, is that crazy that just like three, three and a half months from now, you're going to be a college student? Yeah, that's going to be crazy for me, but it's something I'm really excited about. I'm really, I'm super excited to get there, work with the guys and the coaches to really get a feel of what uh, everything's really about. What are your measurements right now? I mean, I saw somewhere listed, what, like 6'1", 205. But, I mean, do you weigh more than that? And is yeah, the idea right now, that you want to weigh more? Yeah, right now I'm like 6'2", 215. So I put a lot of weight on this summer. But, yeah, I'm 6'2", 215 right now. And uh, getting there, I'm hoping to be at least 225. So I'm going to be able to put some more weight on after the season and getting into there. But they said they wanted me around 235, around there. All right, so when we talk about you playing the inside linebacker position, I mean, I guess just describe what sort of linebacker you are to us. Yeah, well, right now uh, I'm playing outside linebacker, and that's what they want me playing there, too. Okay, outside. Okay. So, I mean, I think something that really helps me uh, being outside linebacker is my speed and agility to come off the edge and run plays down. So, I mean, that's something that really helps me, too. And I can cover well for a linebacker. So that's something that uh, really uh, I stand out with in linebacker. And where do you need to improve, then? Uh, right now, like my downhill play, like stopping the run and taking on blocks, that's something that I've really been trying to work on this summer. Got it. And then do you have a good relationship? And we were talking off camera about whether it's the young man from Orono or Jonathan Mann or any number of other gopher commits. Have you established a relationship with those yeah, guys? Definitely. We're really close for like from new guys just meeting each other. We're really we're really close set of guys. We have a we all talk on Snapchat and stuff. We meet up every once in a while to just go do stuff. So that's really nice. Is there a linebacker, maybe it's last year, this year that that they've compared you to where they look at the film and say, OK, Cody, we can we can turn you into this guy. This is how we want to use you. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to compare myself to, like, some of the guys that have, but I can see myself being someone like Carter Coughlin coming off the edge, trying to get to the passer. Like, he's top-rushing, top, uh, 
defensive pass rusher in Big Ten, so I'm not going to compare myself to him, but that's something that I'd want to be when I get there. Future Gophers linebacker from Anoka High School, Cody Lindenberg, his head coach in his first year in Anoka, Bo Wasorek. I hope I'm saying his last name right. Anyway, Bo played for the Gophers 20 years ago or so, late 90s. So Bo and Cody have had a lot to talk about, and they've enjoyed getting to know each other this year with Bo in his first year as the Tornadoes coach and Cody Lindenberg on his way to where Bo played his college football. All right, let's now catch up with Riley Mallman. He is the top-ranked recruit in the state in the class of 2021. He is an offensive lineman, although Lakeville South also uses him as a tight end. He committed recently to the University of Wisconsin. The Gophers tried. He had all sorts of options. The Gophers were not the only program, Big Ten program for that matter, for him to say no to. Riley Mallman of Lakeville South, the future Wisconsin Badger. I was at a recent Lakeville South practice and caught up with Riley about his decision to attend the University of Wisconsin. Riley, we'll just start with this one. Why Wisconsin? I mean, I thought it was a place for me. I've been there multiple times now. We had a pretty good connection. I like, I love the coaches there. I love the atmosphere. I mean, there isn't, isn't anything better than Wisconsin. When did it hit you? I mean, were you at the game over the weekend? Were you at a game a couple weeks ago? When did it hit you? Okay, the time is now. I need to commit to Wisconsin. I mean, I've always been in good connections with them. I knew they're in the top of my list for a while now. And I actually went to the Michigan game a couple days ago, and before the even game even started, I said I just want to be a Badger. I mean, just the attention the city had for football and just the coaches and the atmosphere and everything. I just, before the game started, I just knew I wanted to be a Badger. And I suppose the way the game unfolded, I was actually there. I took my son to the game. It was great. I mean, that atmosphere was, was second to none. I mean, just the way they ran the ball on Saturday, the way they used their offensive linemen, did it just hit you then and there? Okay, I can picture myself in a Badger's uniform. Yeah, I mean, I was already solidified, but I mean, that definitely didn't hurt anything. It's just awesome to see um, them do their thing out there and just destroy. It was really, it was really awesome. Take us through the moment when you called, whether it was Coach Chris himself or a position coach. Take us through that moment the other day when you made the phone call to them to say, hey, I'm committing. I mean, I was just like jumping up and down. I was so jittery at the moment. I called Coach Bosted. And he's just, I just said, if you, if you guys would love to ha- like to have me, I'd love to be a Badger. And just everything went well. I mean, he said, yep. And we all, we talked for a few minutes. And everything was just great. Did that surprise them? I mean, heck, does it even surprise you that you committed pretty early? I mean, there's some good 2020 kids that haven't committed yet. Like I'm thinking about Caden Johnson hasn't committed yet, right? There's other 2020 kids. You're a 2021 kid, yet you're already committed. Um, I mean, for me and them, we didn't think it was early. I mean, we've been in connection for over a year now. I mean, the connection's there. I mean, I didn't see any reason to wait. I mean, some people are still trying to figure things out, like Caden, for example. But, I mean, I was just set, and there wasn't anything to wait for. How do they view you? I mean, do they view you strictly as as a tackle? I mean, I guess when, when they sold to you, Riley, okay, we want you to be a Badger, what did they talk to you about about what position they want you to play? I mean, yeah, they're thinking tackles, as were uh, most of the other schools, or every, every school was. I mean, that's just where I see myself and everyone else sees me in the future. I mean, do they see, too, then, just putting a bunch of weight on you? I mean, yeah, that's going to be the plan. I mean, most Power 5 tackles, especially in the Big Ten, are uh, very big, three, 320 plus. I mean, that's just probably what it's going to end up. I mean, with the way you've been recruited and going back multiple years, even though you're still young, I mean, kind of a weight lifted off your shoulders, kind of a sigh of relief that the recruiting process is done? Um, I mean, yeah, it's always a sigh of, relief, sigh of relief. I mean, it's always busy times, but, I mean, it's just awesome to know where you finally want to go, and I'm just pumped for my future there. 
Did you call some of the coaches that you told no to that, that, you know, they found out whether it was on Twitter or some other means, or did you call them directly to say, hey, I'm committing to Wisconsin, I'm not coming to your school? Um, I texted almost every one of them, so that's how I sent it out. Did they all understand it? Um, yeah, I'd say most of them. Most of them responded, and most of them just said, uh, we wish we'd have you, but we're just um, just blessed, or just hopefully hoping the best for me. I mean, they're a little disappointed, but, I mean, they understand. I mean, they've heard no before, so most of them understood. What about Minnesota directly? I mean, you know this. There's a lot of Gophers fans and Gophers coach. I mean, a lot of people wanted you in, in the hometown Maroon and Gold. I guess what would be your message to them on, on why not Minnesota? Um, I mean, it's not Minnesota's not a bad place by any means at all. I mean, I thought Wisconsin just overall was a better fit for me. I mean, do you even look at the Wisconsin history? I mean, I think about a Joe Thomas. I mean, go up and down the list of of all the NFL offensive linemen they produced. I mean, was that something you looked at? I mean, yeah, of course. The goal is always get the next level, at, like at every level you're at. So, I mean, the NFL would be the dream, and I mean, Wisconsin does it the best out of everyone. So, I mean, it's just an honor for them to reach out and for me to go there. What was it like today in school with everybody saying, hey, congratulations and everything else? I mean, it's awesome. I mean, I'm just proud to be a Badger. When they say congratulations, it's always a bright smile on their face saying thank you. And, I mean, this is, this is a steadfast commitment. I mean, it's, it's set in stone. I mean, you know that, that the recruiting is still going to happen. But as far as you're concerned, you're done. You will be a Wisconsin Badger? Yeah, I mean, I've had a couple of coaches uh, talk to me and be like, is this a for sure thing? Do you want to come to a game still? Do you want to... Call me. I said I'm a Wisconsin Badger, so that's gonna that's gonna it's st- stone or set in stone. So, what are some goals here the rest of this year as you head into the summer and next year? I mean, is it just all about just you know fine tuning your skills and, and putting on some weight? I mean, the weight I'm not uh, worried about. I mean, they can put that on me when I get there. I mean, I'm just worried about um, the team success overall. I mean, some skills, put on some skills and some muscle. But, I mean, the team success is a big thing for me. I'm hoping a state championship for the team would be awesome. That was Lakeville South junior Riley Mallman on his commitment to the University of Wisconsin. Before we get to the trio of Baldelli, Falvey, and Levine. I forgot to mention, go for basketball recruiting notes. Jamal Mashburn Jr. from Brewster Academy by way of Miami announces his college choice on Monday. It seemingly is down to the Gophers and California. It is trending in a positive direction for the Gophers. I guess what I'm saying is I would not be surprised on Monday if Jamal Mashburn Jr. announces he will be a Gopher. As for the big man, the 6'10", well, he's big, but he's also skinny. Maybe can play the 3-4. The kid Mitchell from the Chicago area that committed to the Gophers a few days ago. Is he a 3-star? Is he a 4-star? Was Maryland still a committable offer? Was Oregon still a committable offer? I can tell you Xavier was not. Xavier backed away. Mitchell did visit Xavier, but Rutgers wanted him. It seems like he has a chance. I mean, every recruit deserves a chance. I'm just not quite sure that the love for Mitchell is like 100% legit, but it's also not fair that I'm basing this on some clips I've seen and one coach in particular that I talked to. But I do know that you beat out another Big Ten school. Hey, that's pretty good. I just always look at a kid's offer list, not necessarily his star ranking, whether he's a three-star or a four-star. I do hear lots of good things, though, about Jamal Mashburn Jr. If the Gophers, and they appear to be the front runner, if the Gophers land Mashburn Jr. on Monday, that will be a big-time get. All right, let's now get to Joe Schmidt with the combination of Falvey, Levine, and Rocco Baldelli. My colleague, my boss, KSTP Sports Director Joe Schmidt, talking to the Twins leaders. Your first year as a manager, uh, was it everything you expected it would be and more? Um, it was more in a lot of ways. Uh, 
you know, going into the job, not having any experience, uh, talked to as many people as I could, tried to learn as much as I could. But really, the only way to figure it out is to just go through it and experience it uh, yourself. Um, you know, it was it was mostly what was expected. But, you know, when you're dealing with a team and you're dealing with people, you know, you don't know when you walk through the door um, what's going to happen. And you just got to stay nimble. You stay prepared. You stay ready to go uh, when you show up every day and, and you do your best. You try to pe- treat people well and, and, and do the best you can. And then you see what happens. And our, our group came together very, very well. When you have 101 wins, you're going to have good chemistry. But I think there was more to it than that, right? I mean, you were able to get to them early. Well, we tried to set the tone early, and we tried to describe what we were trying to build very early. It's one thing to talk about it. It's another thing to carry it out over an eight-month season. Um, I think we were able to do it pretty well. I was very happy with the way our staff and our players um, kind of – uh, melded and, and, and came together. And when you look at people in the face and you talk to them every day and you watch them interact with each other, um, you can tell if people enjoy showing up to, uh, to the field and, and if they don't. I think our guys really did. Uh, that makes me feel good, and I think that's the, the basis for everything that we do. It, it, it helps us, it helps them, um, and it actually leads to more success. Biggest surprise uh, as a manager? Ooh. That surprise is, is exactly what I is exactly what I just said. The fact that every single day when you show up, um, you have to be prepared for anything when you walk in the door. Um, that's the biggest challenge, and you know you can't prepare for it. You just got to be yourself. Um, and like I said, when you when you try to treat people as best you can, and you're as honest as you can be, and you have good conversations, and you have that kind of open um, uh, forum and, and the ability to communicate with your people. Um, you're able to do pretty much anything. And I always say it doesn't always work perfectly. You know, sometimes you're, you're trying to figure things out in the best way you can. and You don't always feel awesome about uh, the result. But um, as long as you do it with uh, as upfront as you possibly uh, can be and, and do it in the best possible way, you know, um, it's really all you can do. The relationship between the front office and, and yourself, did that go as well as planned? Um, yeah. And you know, I knew coming in that, that Derek and Thad um, were very special people. I knew people that were very familiar with them, that have spent a ton of time around them before even I got a chance to know them. And, and had, I had a ton of those conversations. Um, now, after spending a year with them, I know how, how special and, and unique they are. They, they treat people so, so well. They're so aware of everything going on around them. And they, they pay a lot of attention to others. You know, they're not... Um, uh, they show up every day to support me and to support our group and to support the Minnesota Twins, um, and it's genuine, and you know that. And when you feel that, you know, deep down, it allows you to do your job really well and to the best of your ability. You know, when you have that support even going up to, to the ownership level and it works like that all the way down at, at every level, um, I think that's when you have a, an organization that can, you know, reach all of its goals and, 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 and fulfill, fulfill all the things that you want to fulfill. How involved will you be this offseason in you know, trying to mold this team? You know, one of the really good things about being here and working here uh, is the, the, the way that we're able to communicate. Um, it becomes a real strength in everything that we do. We have a pretty open dialogue. We talk about everything all the time. You know, uh, talk with Derek Thad, Derek Shelton, 
um, all of our guys in our, in our front office. We spend a ton of time just conversing, sharing ideas, uh, walking through things. Um, we don't always agree on everything, and that's good. That's actually a really good thing. Then that's when you get the really positive discussions and you start working through um, complicated questions that we need to answer. Um, that's where it starts. You know, we, we operate like that all year long. We do it during the season, and we do it all offseason. Are you worried about losing Derek Shelton? Worried is an interesting word because in some ways, um, of course, I, I in every way want uh, Sheltie here and working with us. But I also know that Sheltie is extraordinarily prepared to potentially manage in this league. Um, he would be a phenomenal choice for any team that was uh, interested in, in looking for a manager. That being said, we know that's going to be to our detriment. You know, we're not going to really be able to replace all of the things that he brings to the table. Um, but I want what's best for him, and I want what's best for our entire staff and all of our players. So um, you you balance that. There's there's you know you can look at it in, in different ways, but uh, I I pull for all of our people, not just in terms of you know our wins and losses, but I pull for all of our people to be uh, you know successful personally as well. Next up, Joe Schmidt wrapping up the season, looking ahead to the off season with Twins Chief Baseball Officer. Derek Falvey. Rumors out there that you may be signing the long-term deal, just like one of the players. <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm not sure I could comment on any public rumors otherwise, but, you know, I, I've been really fortunate here, and and, um, and I've never commented on contractual situations for, for me or for players very often, so I, I'm not going to start now, but this is a great place to be, and I love being a twin. It would be safe to say you'll be here a while. Yeah, I mean, I, as long as they want to have me here, I would think that's, uh, fortunately, uh, fortunately, I don't have to make that decision. Someone else does for me. But I, I'm just proud of the group or the guys we have. I love what we've built here. Uh, I'm proud of 2019 on a lot of levels, and I look forward to continuing to do that. Of the players who could be free agents, it, would Jake Odorizzi be your number one uh, guy you're after? Well, I would say that um, there are a number of guys on our team that we really, you know, we love. They, they were great parts of this club, uh, have been great parts of the clubs in the past here, and we're going to continue to evaluate each of those guys. Jake's a big part of this team, uh, certainly coming into free agency. He's earned that right to explore that market, but I, I would say that him, among others, are guys we're going to continue to stay in contact with about the potential future here. Is now the time to go for it? I mean, the window's open. Is it a time to, to maybe get real aggressive in the free agent market? Well, I think you always have to be smart about where you invest in, in terms of how it impacts your team. I think there's a narrative sometimes that uh, you just invest more and therefore you end up in a better spot, and that isn't always true. We invested what we thought was really wisely this past offseason and ended up with a really good club on the field. I think we'll do the same. We'll evaluate each individual free agent decision, any trade decision we make, any of those on their, on their own merits. What was your biggest surprise this year? Oh, well, I, I could think of a number across the board, but you know, we knew we'd have power. We knew we'd have offensive output. I think what the collective group did offensively from a power production standpoint, you know, to, lead, uh, to be the Major League Baseball leader in, in home runs in history is a pretty significant accomplishment for this club. I don't think anyone predicts that going in, so pretty special thing that these guys pulled off. What about players? You guys got guys like Garvey, Arise, guys like that that just, you know, all of a sudden had these career years. I think the best teams in baseball find a way every year to have a couple of players come up that maybe you weren't expecting contribute in a meaningful way. And I think that Mitch Garver we always liked, a great young catcher, someone who continued to develop and get better, but offensively coming into his own power was a huge, huge step for him. Luis Arise was a guy who started off in double-A who we knew we loved the back control. We loved the ability at second base for him to come up and play in meaningful games 
and be a huge part of a playoff run, that was huge for us. So we need to continue to invest in those types of players and develop those players over time, and uh, that'll help us build a sustainable winner. The Twins are no longer playing. There are some teams still playing. Is there a gap? Oh, well, I, hey, they're playing and we aren't. You know, So you have to look at that and recognize that they are in a better position than we are today. Uh, at the same time, I think you know, the playoffs can be, can be tough. Sometimes you can have a, a good run or a poor run. We didn't play our best baseball. I think we're certainly right up there with a number of the teams that are currently playing. But they get to play for the World Series right now and continue to push. And I think there are areas where we can continue to improve. That'll be true every year, and that'll be our focus this offseason. When you look at this offseason, where does Royce Lewis and Kirilov and Larnick and some of these guys fit into the plans next year? My view is those guys tell you when they're ready. You know, it's, it's pretty clear to me that uh, players, I've been around a lot of good young players before, and if you rush them too quickly, uh, you don't feel like you're putting them in a position to be successful for themselves or for the team. So I think both of those guys, and among a number of others, whether it's Trevor Larnick or Ryan Jeffers or Joan Duran and other guys that have really been a big part of that Pensacola club last year, among others who were in AAA last year for us, those guys are going to be a part of the future for us, and, and we'll let them dictate when they're ready to be in the big leagues. How are you going to judge guys like uh, Gratterall, Dobnik, Stasia, guys who came up, mm-hmm. had a little had a little good shot, but you know you can't put them in the rotation starting right now? Mm-hmm. Well, I would say that you know you you plan for 25 on opening day, but you recognize you don't just use 25. You're going to go with a number of other players on that 40 man roster to impact you during the course of a season. And I think that we're focused on building that depth, and a number of those guys are part of that depth. Now we need to supplement and augment our roster with other players and maybe some more experienced players. But those guys are going to play a role for us. Everyone you just mentioned, they just did. You know, on a team that won 101 games, we fully expect they're going to be a part of it next year too. Uh, great Rockle on the job he did. Uh, I, what's the highest grade you can give? You know, I would say A-plus on so many levels. And, and not just because, hey, the results were the results and, and, a, and a great season on a lot of levels. But the way he led our players, the way he led his staff, the way he interacted with everybody in this organization, and quite frankly, all fans across Twins territory, I, can, I, I can't think of anyone who represents our organization better than Rocco Baldelli. I asked you before about Shelton. We were talking uh, in New York. Uh, he's obviously going to get a call or two. Oh, I would say that we have a number of coaches on our staff, Derek being one of them, that uh, certainly has the ability to do any job they really want to do going forward. And I think that in Derek's case, he's somebody who was certainly a candidate for managing uh, last year uh, in the last go-round, and I'm sure will be continuing. Our job is to try and help him become the best coach that he can be. If that leads to him managing somewhere else, I'll be really happy for him and proud. But as of right now, he's still a member of our staff, and he's still helping us uh, plan for this offseason and be a big part of the future. You mentioned C.J. Crone. Uh, is anybody else maybe in line for surgery? Well, I think C.J., we're going to assess kind of what is best for his thumb going forward. Uh, he's going to get another look at that now that the season has ended from a doctor to, to make the determination around the next steps. We don't anticipate anyone else uh, needing anything uh, of that substance, but we need to get some guys healthy, and some of that will just be rest and recovery. Byron Buxton is on the rehab path here, uh, among a number of other players. So we feel like we, we'll be good going into next spring training with the guys we have on our roster. One last question, and I'll let you go. Uh, Miguel Sano, mm-hmm. is he going to be the third baseman all year, or do you see him at some point moving to first? You know, I think there's a lot of reasons to believe that Miguel uh, can continue to get better at third base. You know, we saw him during the course of this year um, just be, go out there and be and be everything that we asked him to be from the outset in terms of his arm strength, his hands. You know, he, he moved around well, positioning. Obviously, the offense came along this year. He's got a great arm over at third base, so I think that's something that's a skill that doesn't necessarily translate across the diamond. I think the natural tendency is to think about a guy who's of his size naturally
naturally fitting at first. This guy plays good third base, and we're going to continue to focus on that being a big part of his future. Finally, Joe Schmidt with Twins general manager Thad Levine. Uh, Who was your biggest surprise in the team this year? I think we had so many pleasant surprises this year. I think when we came into the season, we were hoping we were going to see this young group of players galvanized together, and I think they really did. But if you ask me to single one guy out, I think it would be Mitch Garver. Uh, I think what the production we got out of our catching group as a whole, Jason Castro had an exceptional season, Williams Estadio contributed, but Mitch Garver's season, as much as we were optimistic about him, as much as our scouts really liked him and we thought he was going to take a step, the step he took was pretty demonstrative, and he had really asserted himself as one of the best catchers in the game. They were such a good combo. Can you get Castro back here again, or do you think he, you might lose him to a starting job somewhere? I, I think first blush is all the players who are free agents for us all expressed that they had a great time here. They really enjoyed it. They enjoyed the coaching staff. They believe that this team is ready to continue to win in the American League Central. So they have interest in coming back. Those conversations we have yet to really have on the other side of the coin. So we need to huddle our group up, uh, talk to our scouts, our player development guys, our analysts, and just figure out exactly what our next steps will be with those guys. But I think Jason had a tremendous season with us. It was probably a little bit overshadowed by what Mitch Garver did. But the tandem as a whole really was a huge competitive advantage for us. I mean, the one thing that's hard to predict is you had a lot of guys have career years like Garver, you know, some other players. They might not come back and have a career year next next year. It might be somebody else. I, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, you know, one thing that I learned from John Hart a long time ago was that Every year you should aspire to have as many, if not more, impact players, but never aspire to have the exact same players and expect them to perform exactly the same way. So I think part of our exercise this offseason will be who to double down on, who to invest in again, and then also what changes are, are smart to make to try to improve our team. But I don't think that the goal is necessarily to bring back the exact team and expect the exact same outcomes. Last year at this time, when we were talking about the 2019 season, nobody even mentioned Luis Arise. Mm-hmm. Here he comes. Well, you know, Michael Radcliffe is one of our best and most tenured scouts. He was the guy who was talking about him. He said that the day that Brian Dozier walked out the door, if we needed a guy to, to come in and keep his head above water, it was going to be Luis Arise. So we did have a guy who was one of our senior council members here who believed in him from day one. I think Luis Arise probably also believed in himself. What Luis Arise has been for this franchise has been a player who's been at Every level, there's been a prospect who's been a little bit more ballyhooed than Luis has been, and all he's ever done is outperform every single one of those guys. So I don't think it's any surprise to Luis, his family, or to Mike Radcliffe and others who've worked with Luis that he came up here and hit like he did. What a tremendous story. I think he's scratching the surface of what he can do at the major league level, but he's looking to be a fixture in this organization for years to come. I mean, that that makes it the surprise. I mean, he, he could have a batting title in his future. Well, I think if he had had a, close to 200 more plate appearances, he, he very well may have this season done that. I, you know, we talked about it earlier, but when the decision was to put him on the roster, once the, the medical staff cleared him, it was really a no-brainer for us because over the course of the season when he was with us, he was literally one of our best hitters against the best pitching in the American League. We weren't going to leave a guy like that off the roster, and that's saying something about a guy who had less than 350 plate appearances at the major league level. How can you predict or look ahead on some of these young pitchers to figure out who will take the next step, whether it's Stashek, Dobnik, Gratterall, one of these guys, they all, they all flashed a little bit this year. How do you know what they'll do next year? We use crystal balls in a lot of seances. <laughs> uh, 
You know, I think we rely heavily on our, our coaches in the minor leagues, our scouts, but also our analytics. It's, it's really been a tremendous information that we've been provided when we ultimately make decisions. We've taken chances on guys. Uh, it, was not, uh, it was not by accident that we acquired Devin Smeltzer in the Brian Dozier deal. Uh, he was a guy that our, our scouts and our, and our analytics said we should target, and he's proven to be a great pitcher for us. Our, our scouts did an excellent job with Randy Dobnak, getting him out of the independent leagues. Billy Milos did a tremendous job there. So I think we continue to have those conversations. We, we trust our information, and we go out and pursue pitchers that we believe can have an impact for us at the major league level. And I would take it that that is the big thing this offseason. You've got to get a rotation together. 100%. You know, we know that three guys are going to be leaving for free agency. We also have an, a decision to make on Martin Perez. So as we stand here today, we've got one guy in ink and Jose Burrios, and that's a great place to start. We also have some internal candidates that got a chance to get their feet wet in the latter half of the season and ultimately pitch in the postseason. So I think we're going to, it's going to be a blend of internal candidates as well as getting aggressive on the free agent and trade markets. And those are going to be conversations that we start literally as of today. Are you com- would you be comfortable giving Martin Perez his option? Now, those are conversations we still need to have internally. And candidly, we're just still kind of doing a postmortem of the season, which just you know, finished two days ago. That, that's where we turn our attention now is to our internal roster decisions. So many injuries this year. You guys analyze everything. Uh, do you have to look at how you're getting guys ready to play? Without question. I think that's something we have to learn from at every turn. Now, the acute injuries of which we had a number of them, uh, Byron Buxton running into a wall, C.J. Crone's issue, uh, then uh, Mitch Carver getting taken out at the plate and having an ankle injury as a result of that. Those things are acute, and those things are going to happen, and every team deals with a handful of those throughout the course of the year. The kind of more soft tissue issues, the, the, the muscular issues, are things that you're going to want to try to evaluate so you make sure you're putting players in the best position to stay healthy. I do think Rocco and his staff did an amazing job in rotating 12 to 13 position players through nine spots, and so we gave them rest and recovery. But we still sustained some injuries in the second half of the year. That's something we have to evaluate because as a smaller market team, it's essential that we keep our best players on the field performing at the highest level they possibly can. Your future, uh, you may get a phone call or two. Uh, How committed are you to, to staying here and seeing this thing through? Extremely committed. It was not something I took lightly when I moved my family from Texas to Minnesota. It was a very thoughtful decision for my wife, myself, and my three children. Uh, We want to make our family here. We want to be here for an extended period of time, and, and that's only intensified after spending three seasons here. That'll do it for this podcast. That puts a bow on Scoop Podcast episode 260. Can never go wrong. Finishing with the Twins general manager, Thad Levine. Have a wonderful weekend, everyone. I'll be back as my my schedule allows. Did you know that 61% of pet owners feel more prepared to be a good pet parent after testing with Embark? Embark your dog with Embark's dog DNA test to get hundreds of actionable health insights. You can be proactive with their health and work with your vet on a personalized care plan. Go to EmbarkVet.com and use promo code DNA, that's DNA, to get $60 off an Embark Breed and Health Kit or Purebred Kit with free shipping. That's promo code DNA to save today. With Black Friday savings at the Home Depot, you'll find top brand kitchen appliances with innovative features that can do more so your holidays can be more. Ovens with built-in air fryers for baking the perfect cookies. Dishwashers with smart tech to clean everything from bakeware to festive mugs and high-capacity refrigerators to keep leftovers fresh. Shop Black Friday savings and get up to 30% off, plus instantly save up to $750 on select GE kitchen packages at The Home Depot. How doers get more done. Offer valid November 2nd through November 30th. U.S. only. See store or online for details.